Hello and welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today we're going to be dealing with one of the most, really the most pressing issue of our day, not just here nationally, but all over the world, and that is the COVID-19 strain of this particular virus. It's a problem that has just been the scourge of nations. Economies are falling, people are dying, and we're also always looking for natural remedies to this issue. Today's guest, Dr. Andrew Saul, is one of those who have has been promulgating natural remedies in a host of different illnesses uh, over the course of the past 40 years. He is the editor-in-chief of the Orthomolecular Medicine News Service and has published over 200 peer-reviewed articles. His best-selling book, Doctor Yourself, has been translated into eight languages. He's written a dozen other books, four of which as co-author with Dr. Abram Hoffer, who is one of the founders of orthomolecular medicine. So it's a real pleasure to have Dr. Saul on with us today, who will be speaking directly to the subject of natural remedies, etc., for this issue, and no doubt, a host of others. Welcome, Dr. Saul, to A Better World. A pleasure to have you. Well, thank you very much for the nice introduction. And I'd like to emphasize right off the bat that the reason I talk about natural remedies is because we don't have any others. If there were a cure for COVID, a drug for COVID, if there was a vaccination for COVID, it would be all over the news. But what's all over the news is that there's nothing, and that's not true. There's a big something, and that's your immune system. And the whole point of using natural approaches is to take the only defense we have, the only game in town, which is our immune system. And this is where we sink or swim. Right off the bat, Absolutely. we need to emphasize no, uh, the, what kills people. It's not the virus that point. kills people. Right. It's the a virus weakened is immune system. what kills people. That's right. And what happens is when a person is elderly or immunocompromised or has multiple health issues, as so many people unfortunately do, their immune system is not working as well as it could. And that's all a virus needs. So what we have to do is strengthen that immune system, even though the term boosting the immune system has been ridiculed by most mainstream media. It is exactly what we have to do because animals boost their immune systems when they're sick. Most animals make their own vitamin C. Humans don't, chimps don't, gorillas don't, orangutans don't, guinea pigs don't, but most animals make their own vitamin C. Vitamin mm-hmm. C is known to, known to build the immune system. Vitamin C is essential for the immune system. Vitamin C is essential for the white blood cells, the policemen of our body. This is in every nutrition textbook ever written, and I've seen a few of them. So what we're told is that you can't boost your immune system, but the body says differently and all of nature says differently. Most animals make their own vitamin C. When they're sick, they make far more. Therefore, they're doing that for a reason, because evolution would never favor such a move. Why would a sick animal, already burdened with being sick, have to biochemically kick out more vitamin C in their liver? Well, that keeps them alive. And that's what we do, except instead of making it in the liver, we can give it by intravenous infusion or frequent oral doses. And by taking high amounts of C, 
the immune system can handle the greater and even severe stress put on it by COVID. So, uh, first of all, let's just taking a step back. I think it's very important just to make the point, which you did, but I just want to kind of uh, further explicate. Number one, our health is in our own hands. We are responsible. We're not waiting for someone to come in, whether it's a medical specialist, a doctor, or someone else, while they serve incredibly useful, important uh, services. Uh, we can be in control of our own health. I know this is a complete premise of your work over all of these decades. One of the ways that we can exert this kind of power over and control over our own health is the use of high dose, i.e., mega vitamin therapy uh, for dealing with a whole host, a whole range of issues, including this one, COVID-19, which is proving to be such a menace and most people feel victimized by. But what you're saying, Dr. Saul, of course, is that that does not at all have to be the case. In fact, I came across your work uh, through an article that you had published about the use of high-dose vitamin C intravenously in China. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I certainly can. First of all, I'd like to thank Dr. Richard Cheng, a Chinese-American physician specialist who is my direct contact in China, and I'm in contact with him almost every day. Uh, Dr. Cheng is a specialist physician, and he is a native of Shanghai, and he was over visiting his parents for Chinese New Year, and, of course, the COVID thing uh, broke out, and he stayed on yeah. his own time at his own expense to help China. And he has done exactly that. He has gotten a number of Chinese physicians and at least two uh, Chinese hospitals. And I think it's more than that because this changes every day to use intravenous vitamin C in high doses for especially for people that are intensive care. So uh, we have the actual government of Shanghai has issued a statement endorsing the use of vitamin C and recommending the use of vitamin C for COVID. The Chinese Medical Association published this recommendation in their Chinese Journal of Infectious Diseases, which is a peer-reviewed publication. Dr. Chang has also published in another um, peer-reviewed publication as well. So here he is right there in China working with doctors such as uh, Dr. Um, Yuquin Mao. And uh, Dr. Mao is uh, in Shanghai also and has been treated COVID patients with high doses of vitamin C between 25,000 and up to 50,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day. Usually it's less, but one patient was severely um, ill and it was desperate. They was dying right in front of them and they gave that person 50,000 and that person recovered. Dr. Um, and Mao so treated- when you say recovery, when you say recover, you mean there is no trace of the virus in their bodies, and then they get discharged from hospital? Well, I can't speak to whether there's still a virus, because I believe viruses are always with us, always have been, and always will be, and it's, it's, that's irrelevant. We live in a world of viruses. It's an arms race. Viruses are always mutating. There's always going to be a new strain of the flu, and this is just something that's happened before. We've had SARS. We've had Ebola. We've had... Sure, but are they are they residing in the body? Are they residing in the body, or is it just that the immune system has them under under control? 
I would say the second. I mean, I would like to think they're all gone, but you've got 40 trillion cells, and viruses are infinitely smaller than a cell. So if I were to make a strict statement, I would say that there's no possible way the viruses are all gone. The key here is that this is the way the human body and the animal kingdom has always worked. Your immune system is what stops a virus. It isn't a drug. It isn't a vaccination. If a vaccination works, and I don't think they work very well, but if it works, it works by doing something to your immune system. If a drug works, and I don't think they work very well, the drug does something to enable your immune system to do what it has to do. So in China, what I do know is this. Dr. Mao... Uh, treated approximately 50, that's five zero patients, with moderate to severe coronavirus. Every single one recovered. Every single one was discharged. Every single one had intravenous vitamin C. And this is the news that is not coming out in the U.S. media. Indeed, Facebook has continually blocked people sharing this post of mine and put me in Facebook jail where I am now, and I can't even post at my own website. Uh, it's it's so severe. Yeah. It's this profound, this yeah. sounds like a conspiracy. You know, it it sounds like a conspiracy theory, and that's because it actually is a conspiracy. And we have evidence yeah. of that. You can find it online. There was a news, um, a regular journal um, media report that the World Health Organization sent a representative or representatives to meet with Google and Facebook and Amazon and others that are involved in social media, specifically telling them they wanted to stop the spread of this information. Right after I published my first report on vitamin C intravenously to prevent and treat COVID in China, right after that, the World Health Organization and the CDC both had statements on their website saying that vitamin C won't work. Oh, you're kidding me. Your tax dollars at work, sir. That is, and the World Health Organization as well. Yes. Yeah. So what we so have to do you is know tell the truth. that Google uh, has recently gone into the pharmaceutical industry, and so they're editing and censoring uh, what gets posted to wit. All that you're saying is in accordance with protecting their own financial interests. So we've seen this show up in numerous cases, sad as it is. So I've posted your article on Facebook, and I haven't had any, uh, but it was with um, in the midst of a number of other articles. Uh, it was just a link to my website. So that did not get rejected as far as I know. I still see it there. So I maybe slipped in underneath. But no, what you're well, we saying, Dr. That. Saul, is profound and <laughs> extremely disturbing. Excuse me? We can fix that. If you want to get blocked by Facebook, put up my other 11 articles, and I'm here to tell you that um, they'll be on it in a second. I've had people say within seconds Facebook blocks posts. Some people say they don't, but it depends which post you use. If you want the whole set, you can go to the Orthomolecular Medicine News Service website at orthomolecular.org, or you can go to my website, doctoryourself.com. And at DoctorYourself.com, I have a link that will click you over to the subscriptions and archive for this peer-reviewed news service. The Orthomolecular Medicine News Service has been published for 16 years. I founded this at the express request of Dr. Abram Hoffer and Dr. Hugh Reardon, and I've been the editor since the beginning and still am. 
So you can look at all of the articles we've had. We've had about a dozen of them, and they're peer-reviewed, and they are carefully referenced, and some of them really irritate Facebook and Google. And one of them is my post, which is right on the front of DrYourself.com, where nobody can miss it, that talks about Dr. Mayo carrying 50 patients of severe to moderate COVID with intravenous vitamin C. And this is the kind of information that will save lives, and this is exactly what's being blocked. Exactly. I'm so glad that you are as persistent as you are and that you are so well-researched. I Just a curious question. Um, with, you know, over a billion people as its population, and who knows how many have actually been infected, uh, why would there only be 50 people that we know of, at least to date, who have been treated with vitamin C? Well, that's mostly because it's only just begun, and a lot of researchers wait until they analyze their data. They're doing double-blind, placebo-controlled studies, and they're going to publish this data probably in September, October, November. Dr. Mao mm-hmm. and Dr. Chang and I believe we can't wait that long. There are people in ICUs yeah. now that are going to die. So a compassionate physician will immediately do anything they can do to save a patient's life. This is the highest calling. This is what Hippocrates was trying to get across. He was right. And doctors that follow the Hippocratic Oath are always right. The doctors that are using the vitamin C have basically come out and said long before they're supposed to in in, uh, conferences with other doctors, look, we're already seeing an advantage. Take Dr. Merrick with his work with sepsis using intravenous vitamin C that became well-known in the last few years. Dr. Merrick's nurses are very, very insistent that there's no way in the world they're going to not use vitamin C because they've seen it work. I've talked to nurses that are in ICUs. They talk to me sometimes anonymously, sometimes on the record. We have a chain of hospitals in the New York City, Long Island area that's giving intravenous vitamin C right now, and their spokesperson has come out and said so. And a pulmonologist at one of the hospitals, Dr. Weber, Andrew Weber, has gone on record. Now, the New York Post newspaper picked this up, and that's the third largest newspaper in the United States. The United Kingdom's Daily Mail picked this up, and that's the second largest newspaper in the United Kingdom. We've had some television exposure, but it's usually on affiliates, not on the evening news. Why is that? Why is it that this information has not, to coin a phrase, gone viral? And that's because there's a tremendous vested interest in scaring the living daylights out of people so they will not do what would make them independent of government and medical and pharmaceutical interests. That is a dark statement, but that is my experience. Because why else would our news media our news media that broke the Watergate story, our news media that has always been quick to find this and that and the other thing, how could they miss this? Here's another example. In Philippines, in Philippines, the government is paying for and giving away vitamin C to children. The governor um, of Cebu, the, the capital of Cebu, is behind this. In the Philippines, they're giving vitamin C to kids. Now, that's a wonderful human interest story that I would like to see on our news. Not a word 
I had to go all the way over to Philippines and get information from people in Philippines and a copy of the Cebu Daily News in order to find this out. Extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. So we have two big stories here. One is the actual on the ground benefits of vitamin C, which has been published for decades. And I like to remind people, Dr. Saul, that the only person, as far as I know, that has ever won two Nobel Prizes for medicine, Dr. Linus Pauling, is, you know, considered one of the main fathers of the use of vitamin C. And it's the clinical studies that prove beyond any shadow of a doubt of its efficacy. And why this doesn't resonate throughout the globe, I don't know. And the second story, of course, is what you're saying, uh, which is the media blockout uh, because of financial interests, which is just one of the saddest stories we have to tell. And I'm glad that you're navigating uh, that rough terrain as well as you are. And here, of course, a better world radio and TV, we're on uh, television here in Manhattan as well, are always dealing with these kinds of issues, as are you. So I, I just I truly applaud your uh, courageousness and your persistence, because that's, that's what it takes, and more and more people are are waking up to it, but too slowly. Could you name those hospitals? Are you at liberty to name those hospitals in New York City and New York State that are using high-dose intravenous vitamin C? It's the chain that owns North Shore in Manhasset. Is that Northwell? I just, or is that Long Northwell, Island Well, pardon me, Northwell. Northwell. Yeah, that's okay. right. Yep, thank you. And uh, if you go sure. to any search engine, even Google, and <laughs> you search for uh, COVID pulmonologist Andrew Weber Hospital New York vitamin C, believe me, you're going to find this because their spokesperson acknowledged it. This, this yeah. isn't just some nut in their garage. This is a major no. chain of hospitals in a part of the United States where we really are genuinely worried. And we have reason to be. COVID is a very serious disease. Just because I'm offering a way to prevent and to reverse it doesn't mean I don't take it seriously. Dr. Frederick Robert Corner and Dr. Robert Fulton Cathcart treated viral pneumonia, and this kills people. My own father died of viral pneumonia. A lot of people do. So it's very important for people to remember COVID is a nasty virus, but it is no more nasty than SARS. It is no more nasty than a bad case of the flu. And most people that get COVID will have a mild case. And those who have a regular case of COVID will have a nasty flu. We've all had a nasty flu in our life. The people that are at risk are the ones that have escalation to pneumonia. And this is what we have a track record on. Frederick Robert Corner, MD, board-certified chest specialist, was curing double viral pneumonia in 72 hours in 1949. And at com, I've got the papers that prove it. All free access. Wonderful. That is just wonderful. Such a such a service. Now, vitamin C, if not taken intravenously, it's a little difficult to do at home. And since we're all at home these days, uh, what would be the oral dosage that you would recommend for dealing with this serious, uh, this serious viral strain? And I know it's a generalization because we're all bio-individual, but there have to be some basic guidelines. 
Right. The most basic of all guidelines is take enough so you to be symptom-free, whatever the amount might be. I've been saying this corny little jingle for 44 years now, and that's because (laughs) it's the quickest way to get to the heart of the problem. A sick body needs more C. Everybody asks how much. The answer is we don't know. You have to find out. In good health, most people can take oral vitamin C, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I would think you'd also want to take it between meals as well for a total of five doses a day. Dividing the dose with a water-soluble vitamin is always more efficient. Uh, Most people could take thousands of milligrams of vitamin C when they're healthy. After all, Linus Pauling took 18,000 a day, and I take close to that myself, and that's in good health. But but when they're sick, the need, as we mentioned earlier, skyrockets. And Dr. Robert Cascart talks about bowel tolerance. You take enough vitamin C to get to bowel tolerance, and bowel tolerance means exactly what you think it does. I have papers by Dr. Cascart. Dr. Cascart's papers, with his permission, are at DrYourself.com. They're all peer-reviewed and free access, and Cascart will walk you through it. Essentially, don't think numbers, think results. If you're in good health and you take vitamin C and you stay in good health, you're done. If you're in good health and you take vitamin C and you don't stay in good health, then you need to take more C. If you're taking more C and then you're in good health, that's your level. Will that change? Sure. As you get better, you'll need less, and you'll go back to having your low level. But we don't know what that level is because we don't know how sick you are, and it actually does not really matter which virus you've got. What matters is whether you're sick or not. So you take enough C to get rid of the symptoms, but not so much as causes loose stool or excessively loose stool. Some people use the Mm -hmm. word diarrhea. That's wrong. Nobody wants diarrhea, particularly in children and infants, where diarrhea is a very serious issue because they, relatively speaking, lose water quicker, and that's a danger. Diarrhea is not it. If anybody told you that, they've made an error. It's loose stool, and that's Linus Pauling's own phrase. You take enough vitamin C until you get get gassy, you get flatulent, you get a rumble in Mm -hmm. the belly, You get slightly loose stool. That's it. Now, when you're sick, that level may be achieved at only extremely high oral doses. And in some cases, for influenza, it will be in excess of 80 or even 120,000 milligrams a day. For prevention, the International Society of Orthomolecular Medicine recommends that you take 3,000 milligrams of C, breakfast, lunch, dinner, 1,000 each, 100 micrograms of the trace mineral selenium, 20 milligrams of zinc, 400 milligrams of magnesium, and 2,000 international units of vitamin D as in Doug. This is a very modest and achievable preventive level, which Dr. Atsuo Yanagasawa, um, former professor of medicine in Tokyo, has said, and he checked it carefully, will cost not even $1 U.S. a day. So this is a modest prevention program, whereas if somebody is sick and actually has the illness, they take enough C to feel better. How can you tell? Is there anything objective here? Subjectively, I feel better, fine. My family says I look better and feel better, fine. That's all good. But one way you can tell is by monitoring your oxygen. 
you'd be surprised how many people have COVID now and are not in hospitals. Number one, mm-hmm. going into a hospital is going to clutter up the hospital, and they have enough to do, especially t- dealing with ICU patients. If you need intensive care, you'd better be in a hospital. But it's infinitely better to not need the hospital. It's not about avoiding hospitals. It's about not needing to go. And you do that by doing something at home. I know people right now with COVID that are home and they are taking lots of vitamin C and they're monitoring their oxygen levels. And they can see that oxygen level is in the mid-90s and maybe it drops down to 94, 93. They take more vitamin C and it comes up to 95, 96, 97. Vitamin C has been And that's an optimal amount, 96, 97. 98, I imagine, well, you really want. All you have to do is go on the Internet and check or ask any doctor. I don't care what the number is. I'm simply saying if you feel like monitoring it objectively, you can tell yes. those numbers to your doctor and they'll say, yes, you're fine. So there's a, a very interesting thing going on here. The amount of vitamin C it takes to raise the oxygen levels is not high. And this is where the media really missed the boat because I published on this as well. There were two excellent studies, both carefully controlled, one with elderly and one with infants. There's covering the gamut for you. Now, elderly in hospitals, severely ill elderly people in hospitals with pneumonia, when they got vitamin C, the mortality rate dropped by 80, 80%. Guess how much they Mm. got? A thousand milligrams, three thousand a day. Three thousand? Yeah. Two hundred. Oh my. So two hundred milligrams of vitamin C a day will stop eight out of ten elderly people with severe pneumonia from dying. That is news. And it isn't news because the work was done years ago and published in peer reviewed journals. Now let's go to the baby. Also in 1949. <laughs> oh, no, far more recently than that. There has yeah. been an endless stream of vitamin C cures things research in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and all the way up to the present. This is not new, yes, but it's news it's new. to everybody because the news doesn't report what this actually does. Now Very let's true. look at babies. Babies in hospitals Little babies, even babies under one year of age with pneumonia, and there's a scary situation for a parent. Little babies in hospitals with pneumonia were given vitamin C, and they noticed mortality went down, the duration of the disease was shorter, and their oxygen levels came up within one day. Guess how much C the baby got? Oh, God, I guess I would have to say 100 milligrams. <laughs> How much? Well, that would probably work, but they gave 200, which for an adult would be more like 3,000. So these infants yes. were given 200 milligrams a day, and their oxygen levels come right out, right up within a day. And the elderly are given 200, and they don't die in 8 out of 10 times. Now, this is, once again, clear-cut information that's already been published that's been systematically ignored. All I've done is bring this out, and the Orthomolecular Medicine News Service and my DrYourself.com website are peer-reviewed 
and they are non-commercial. I have no financial connection whatsoever with the supplement or health products industry. So interesting. It's, uh, you're, you're an exemplar of the way uh, medicine should be regarded, dealt with, and discussed. A couple of questions, Dr. Saul. Uh, would you say, I know you mentioned vitamin D, selenium, zinc, and I know that these are often taken together with vitamin C. Would you say that they all play an integral role for the healing of COVID-19, or is vitamin C a standalone? in this regard? Well, the answer is yes and yes. Nutrients always work better as a team. Drugs almost never do. Sometimes they do. But if you use nutrition as a unified front, we find out that pretty much all vitamins are good for almost everything. That's a silly statement until you actually read the literature and you'll see that it's pretty much the case. The protocol from the International Society of Orthomolecular Medicine is designed to be simple and inexpensive. Many people Mm -hmm. say, well, why don't you take this? Why don't you take that? Why don't you take this? Fine. If it helps you, if it works, if it's safe, I'm in favor of it. But we have to deal with a public that still considers to take a multivitamin breakfast, lunch, and dinner, my recommendation, to be a walk in the wild side. (laughs) <laughs> what we want to remember here is that for, for, people, <laughs> for people that are in intensive care, the overwhelming need is for intravenous vitamin C immediately in high doses. For people that are just in the hospital, sick enough to be there, and that's no joke, they should have oral vitamin C frequently, or if they're already hooked up to the tubes, and have you ever seen somebody in a hospital who wasn't? Just patch in the IV of vitamin C, and they will not need as much. And it's easier for them. If they're already hooked up to tubes, why make them sit up and take vitamin C when they can have the IV all of the time? For people that are home, for people that are dealing with the illness at home, you don't need intravenous vitamin C at all. Intravenous vitamin C is expensive, and it's inconvenient, and it's not available to everyone. You don't need it. I have never had a vitamin C intravenous application, not once. I always use oral vitamin C, and I've had influenza, and I've had it bad. I've taken as much as 120,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day uh, for influenza and viral pneumonia, and it works. I'm famous you know, the for this funny one thing description is, of No, please, finish your sentence. Well, I was going to say that I'm well known for this description of when I had viral pneumonia years ago. It was pretty bad, and I'd been to see um, an internist to a friend of mine and said, yep, Uh, You got it, all right. And he was going to give me an antibiotic, and I said to him, well, that's not going to help with viral. He said, no, it won't, but it'll help with a secondary (laughs) infection that might occur. And he gave me, um, you know, good, sound advice, which is to go home and take care of yourself. Well, what I ultimately ended up doing was uh, playing Scrabble with my wife and coughing like crazy. God bless her for putting up with that. And while Mm -hmm. I was playing Scrabble, I, I had a fever, high fever, and a bad cough. And uh, I lined up my vitamin C tablets, and I took 2,000 milligrams of vitamin C every six minutes I was awake. That's 20,000 milligrams an hour, and in three hours, 60,000 milligrams later, my fever had come down three degrees and my cough stopped. So this is what really high amounts can do. So if you want to get better in a hurry, you take enough C to be symptom-free. If you want to not die, you take a few hundred milligrams. 
if you want to not die. Yeah, if you want to not die, take a few hundred milligrams. If you want to get well sooner, take enough vitamin C to get you well sooner. If you want to get well in a hurry, take bowel tolerance orally. And if you and if you are in intensive care, for heaven's sakes, get intravenous vitamin C right away. And we're talking uh, immediately. We can't afford to wait. This sounds way too simplistic, but the only reason this works is because the body's immune system is so wonderfully intricate. All we need to do is recognize that if you buy a luxury sports car, all the work's done for you. You, you lucky dog, you just have to turn the key and drive it. (laughs) This is the human body. The human body is like that. And we're being told there's something wrong with your Porsche, son. Uh, We don't know what it is. We can't get it to run. It won't run. It's broken. Oh, and by the way, you have the keys? Well, no, they're basically trying. They're they're lifting the lid and going in it with spanners and wrenches and heaven knows what. And they haven't put the key in the ignition. Yes. So vitamin no, C is I, I the key to that. Vitamin C is the key to your ignition for your immune system. This is how the human body works. This is the way we are built. This is what evolution has done. And there have been flu pandemics before this. And somehow the human race got through them. But the problem is too many people died. And we don't have to have that anymore. And we don't have to believe people that are scaring the living daylights out of us on television Almost minute by minute on any station, we don't have to shut down the world. No. Absolutely excellent point. Question. Uh, Some say, I have heard over time, that excess amounts of vitamin C eventually have some kind of uh, deleterious effect on kidney function. Could you comment? Or are there any other downsides? Besides loose stool. Well, and also, first. let me throw this people... one in, too. Does, mm-hmm. does bowel tolerance over time change? Sort of like, in fact, you know, when one takes niacin, one's first reaction is nothing short of alarming. But as you take it over time and increase dosage, as you so well know, uh, your tolerance for it, also increases, and therefore the therapeutic benefits also, you know, commensurately increase. Is the same thing regarding bowel tolerance with vitamin C over time? Well, you've just thrown three questions, three baseballs to the first baseman at once. So uh, I'll try to take them <laughs> in order. You seem more than capable Upstairs. of dealing with them. Well, first of all, let's, let's talk about the uh, most common side effect that doesn't exist, and that's the vitamin C kidney stone. There aren't any. The problem with this is that, theoretically, vitamin C should be producing kidney stones. But as Dr. Robert Fulton Cathcart said, after treating thousands and thousands of patients for well over a decade, he said this. By the time I found out that vitamin C could cause a kidney stone, I had amassed clinical evidence that it did not. So what happens here is that vitamin C does increase oxalate. Vitamin C increases oxalate production. Vitamin C can be metabolized down into oxalate, and oxalate is part of a calcium oxalate kidney stone. But Mm -hmm. this has been studied 
And the International Journal of Vitamin Research published a nice little study showing that they measured the urine of people who took a lot of vitamin C, and they found that 9 out of 10 had uh, no increase in oxalate excretion at, at all. And one of them mm. that had an increase, it was still within normal limits. You're designed to handle oxalate. The problem is the calcium. Taking more magnesium and more pyridoxine, vitamin B6, and drinking more water will oh, help to prevent kidney stones it. in anyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So calcium mm-hmm. oxalate Excellent. is the stone. Vitamin C, according to Professor of Medicine Emmanuel Cheraskin at the University of Alabama Medical School in Birmingham, uh, according to Dr. Cheraskin, vitamin C blocks the binding of calcium and oxalate. So vitamin C not only doesn't cause the stone, it actually prevents it. Oh, my. I'm so glad you're cleaning up this point because it's been something on my mind for a long time. And that is really interesting, reversing information. Please continue. The um, next question you had was, are there any other side effects? And the answer is sure. A lot of people really can't stand the uh, bowel tolerance and they complain that they have issues. Well, that's because they took too much. Don't do that. And the easiest way to take too much is to take it all at once. Divide the dose all through the day. This is very important, and it reminds me of having a newborn infant. You look down at that little tiny baby and say, I will feed you once a day. Oh, no, you won't. <laughs> yes. So vit- a very good analogy. <laughs> so vitamin C yeah. all through the day, if you think about it, taking vitamin C all through the day is, in a way, like having an IV. So you can simulate that by simply giving the body what it wants. And the only difference between intravenous and oral is the tactics that you have to use to respond to the severity of the condition. Vitamin C is vitamin C. And when you give it by IV, the absorption is immediate and 100%. When you take it orally, it's not as efficient. But if you divide the dose and use it preventively, you're all set. Now, other symptoms with vitamin C, some people report acid stomach. And this needs to be tempered with an understanding that the pH of ascorbic acid, vitamin C, is the same as orange juice or a cola drink or ocean spray cranberry juice cocktail. And I don't see people up in arms over that. So if you can drink any of those things, you probably can take vitamin C. And your stomach acid, which is natural and necessary, has a pH that is approximately 55 times more acidic than vitamin C. So if you're really sensitive to acid, you'd be sensitive to what your stomach's been doing since you were born. Still, is built some into people you. find, yes. yeah, that's, well, without stomach acid, you, you can't activate pepsin and you'll never act, uh, be able to digest your protein properly. Anyway. So I would like to say without going too far here that God knows what he's doing. Yes, <laughs> I would say. So what we do here, if you still have problems with acidity or, or believe that the vitamin C is bugging you, you can simply drink more water or have it with food, have it with a snack, or you can take a buffered vitamin C, and there's no end to those on the market. Lots of them cost a little more, but it's worth it if you have a sensitive tummy. 
But the most important thing to do is to divide and tailor the dose. It's not a contest to see how much of this you can hold. Some people get gung-ho and they forget the real purpose. The purpose is to take enough C to be symptom-free, and that is an individual level. And not only is it individual to you, it is individual to you on a different given day. On Monday, you might be fine. By Friday, you might be stressed. You'll probably need more C on Friday. And if on Saturday night you get sick, Sunday you're really going to need a lot. You simply take enough to get the job done. It is not an argument with your body. Arguing with your body will not work. You don't take the amount of vitamin C you think you ought to need. You take the amount that your body responds to, and you and you alone can determine that, and you know when it's working. You can't tell somebody um, you're doing it wrong when they're healthy. And the people who use more vitamin C and the animals that make more vitamin C are healthier. Bioindividuality. Absolutely. Good point. That raises another question. Ascorbic acid, there are numerous different forms of vitamin C. And, you know, some of it is liposomal. Some really swear by that. It costs more money. And then some say even the so-called cheap ascorbic acid that you can get at the at the pharmacy, uh, you know, with a generic brand is actually sufficient for getting the desired outcomes, therapeutic effects. What are your comments? Well, I annoy everyone on this. So somebody somewhere is going to be turning the off switch in a minute. But here's the first (laughs) point. Almost all vitamin C research that has shown success has used cheap ascorbic acid or intravenous sodium ascorbate. The second point is, I mentioned that animals make their own vitamin C. Mm-hmm. They make ascorbic they make acid. Okay. Some people okay. say, well, that's not natural. That's not complete. They're saving money. Yes, it is. <laughs> Yeah. Well, animals mm-hmm. are very economical because you, you don't see sure. animals uh, out there lining up for a shot or for uh, pills or going to a store. Certainly they not. have to be they're eating grass. They, they have no choice. Mm-hmm. Right. They have no choice. Once I lectured that rats make vitamin C, that a rat actually makes so much vitamin C that you can measure it. Uh, a rat has almost as much vitamin C in it as an orange. And, of course, someone said, does that mean rats are a good guy to a source of vitamin C? And I close that discussion down by saying, yes, but only if you eat the rats raw. And, of course, this is going into the fun part of this. The more you learn about physiology, the more you realize that it's a friendly science because it's about you. You learn about your body, and you do a better job with it. When children are taught about their body, when teenagers are taught about their body, they're better stewards and stewardesses of their own health and their their safety and their, their habits and their behaviors. So this mm-hmm. is why the media is so culpable, because the media has not only not reported this, they have reported the actual opposite. You can go anywhere, and you can start with the New York Times and um, the uh, uh, USA Today, uh, if you like, and you'll see immediately uh, somebody saying that vitamin C is no good. And they tend to get uh, these young uh, doctors here who are very attractive and very pleasant, or they'll put them on TV, and they'll tell you with confidence that vitamin C is useless. Well, that's simply false. The Mm -hmm. key here is you have to look into it for yourself. And if you look into it for yourself, you'll find a whole body of knowledge 
where vitamin C has been used as an antiviral for the last 75 years, safely, in high doses. The, the thing to remember is that this information, this research, has already been done. All we have to do is use it. That is so important, so important. It's very well put. So what are your uh, final comments for our audience, Dr. Saul? Well, I can tell you right now, if you want to come to my Facebook page, where I'm known as the Mega Vitamin Man, or do a Is there Facebook anything there? search for and Oh, there's all kinds of stuff there. Uh, I've okay. been publishing five. In other words, it hasn't yet been removed. Ten, well, no, not yet, but that was my next comment. You're way ahead of me. Uh, while you still can, you might want to go to my Facebook page, uh, <laughs> The Mega Vitamin Man, uh, or search for my name, Andrew Metalinitial W. Saul, and you'll find my Facebook page, and you'll see all the latest posts that I've put up, sometimes five, six, seven, ten a day for the last uh, several months. You can read these, and so can I, but you can post, but I can't. I'm in Facebook jail, as I said. They'll probably let me out, but I'll be back in again because I'll put something up there that one of their mercenary fact checkers says is yeah. false news. You know, every time I get an accusation of false news, I've noticed that they never check the source. They never contact the hospital or the doctor or me to say, well, we're questioning this statement. Can you back it up? Because they know I can, and there is no discussion on this. This is totalitarianism, and I was raised in the United States of America that represented freedom of speech, freedom of the press, and sharing of information, and especially being able to report on what physicians are doing to save lives, and that is all I'm interested in. I was asked by students when I taught clinical nutrition or cell biology or any one of a number of science subjects over the years, um, what is it about vitamins that interests you so much? And I said, well, actually, I'm not interested in vitamins as a subject. I'm interested in saving lives and getting people well, and vitamins are simply the safest and most efficient way to do that. And I stand by that statement. Back in 1976, I taught my very first course. It was called Forgotten Research in Medicine. And now, 44 years later, I'm doing the same thing. And I invite everyone to take advantage of this knowledge. It's already out there. And at DrYourself.com and in my books, which you can easily find at any Internet bookseller, or at my um, Facebook page, or at the Orthomolecular Medicine News Service, you're going to find a tremendous amount of information that will keep you busy. It's wonderful to be able to tap in to other people that know this, and that's why I recommend the Facebook page, because people are discussing it. But for free information that's peer-reviewed, the DrYourself.com website and the Orthomolecular Medicine News Service are the um, best way to go, because they cost zero money. They're non-commercial, peer-reviewed, and available 24 hours a day. So wonderful, truly a gift to the planet and to humanity. Uh, you know, it can't be expressed enough how important this information that you have been gathering uh, relentlessly for decades is to the health and well-being of people here in this country and everywhere because everyone matters to us. Well, I want to just thank you so much, Dr. Andrew Saul, for 
your good work and for coming onto the show today and sharing all of this with our audience. Please know it will be posted on Facebook and for as long as it may last and, of course, on our website, abetterworld.tv, for all to listen, and we will be doing mailings to our audience through our newsletter of this very valuable information. Thanks so much for being a guest today, and uh, we'd love to have you back on again to follow up. That's very kind of you. I want to tell everyone that I stand on the shoulders of giants. Dr. Ibram Hoffer was my personal mentor, and other physicians, such as Bob Cascard and the others, they taught me, and what I'm doing is just sharing with you what they taught me. So the real credit here goes to these pioneers who saw this a long time ago, and they're not here to tell you, so it's up to me to do it, I guess, and it's my privilege to do so. Thanks very much. <laughs> You're so welcome. Thanks again, Dr. Saul. And I had the uh, the true honor and privilege of interviewing Dr. Abram Hoffer as well. He was an elderly gentleman, uh, and I interviewed him at the Waldorf Astoria, actually, uh, back in the uh, mid-'90s when he happened to have been in New York City. And uh, that was a true honor because I've been a student of orthomolecular medicine as well for a long time. So uh, I hold all of these gentlemen that Dr. Saul just mentioned in truly high esteem, as I do Dr. Saul himself. So very pleased to have had him on, share this information with you. And there is a certain premise on which everything Dr. Saul was saying is that we are in control of our immune system to a very large extent. And he is referring back by implication to the work going back as far as uh, um, Dr. Louis Pasteur, who was the author, of course, of uh, the germ theory, and his antagonist, Beauchamp, who said, no, 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 it's not the germ that causes the disease. It's essentially a weak, what he referred to as terrain, which was his way of saying the immune system. And if we keep our immune system healthy and vital, then we can be around any number of different types of germs or bacteria or viruses or fungi or mold or yeast, which we are all the time anyway, as Dr. Saul pointed out to us early on in this interview, and we will be fine. So it's not the germ, it's not the virus, it's us. And there's a lot we can do. As you know, I emphasize healthy eating, healthy supplementation, good sleeping habits, lots of exercise, and good attitude. As you all know, as a stress management consultant and acupuncturist, I really focus a lot on our use of our minds and our emotional lives to keep it up, to keep these viable and lively and laughing and engaged in life. All of this supports and boosts the immune system and you don't want to be without any of these you want all of them and that's what we call holistic holistic health so uh, it was a real pleasure and honor to have dr saul on today speaking with us about his vast knowledge about the use of vitamin c and his promulgation of it all over the world and what's happening right there in china in uh hospital 
recommended by the city of Shanghai, if you remember, he said. And I have that on uh, in his article on betterworld.tv. So please go and make a point and visit. And if you're not yet part of our A Better World community, please just go to our website at www.abetterworld.tv. Uh, and, uh, well, the website's being redone now as we speak, but it's there, and you can sign up. It's for free, and we would love for you to be part of our community. We are a 501c3. We are a nonprofit. We appreciate your donations. It keeps us sustainably on the air week after week, month after month, and year after year. We've actually been on the air since 1993. So I want to thank you all, and please note on our website, there are a number of different coaching, counseling, stress management services as well, and you may avail yourselves of those by calling me at 212-420-0800, 212-420-0800, my direct line, or direct email, mjr at abetterworld.net. That's mjr at abetterworld.net. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. Thanks so much for joining us again today, and I look forward to seeing you all next week. (laughs) 